episode 139 of Friends in Film. We're here to bring the latest movie news interview with the biggest new release, which this week is Searching. As always, I'm your host, Cooper Hood, and this week I'm joined by Josh Straley. Hello, hello, hello. How are you doing? I'm doing well. It is Labor Day. It is. Happy Monday, Labor Day. Right. We are recording on Labor Day because that's how much we care. (laughs) (laughs) Not really. But uh, yeah, hopefully you guys are having a good Labor Day. What better way uh, to spend your Labor Day by the by the pool, listen to Friends of Film podcast, mm-hmm. listen to us do a latest review. Before we get to that, though, uh, Josh, what have you been watching recently? Well, this week, I did my catch-up of TV series, oh, okay. um, Silicon Valley, and began to watch Jack, Re- Jack Ryan with John I'm, I'm one episode in. Good so far? Yeah, yeah, yeah good. Okay, but film-wise, um, I caught First Reform by Ethan Hawke, mm-hmm. or well, with Ethan Hawke, Stark starring and it's pretty good it's a very hyper specific unique drama mm-hmm. um kind of like about the danger <laughs> in some ways the dangers of youtube radicalization but also um some other things about uh life death and you know mm-hmm. coping with loss it's very good uh sucks that it didn't get a wide release or it was released wide and i didn't pay attention to it <laughs> but it was good i enjoyed it uh how about yourself cooper um well real quick on first reformed uh after watching it did you agree with ethan hawk's criticisms of logan i knew this was gonna come <laughs> up uh no me i i know i understand his viewpoint on the films or on logan specifically and then the genre as a whole mm-hmm. i can see where he's coming from but i just don't like, agree yeah. with it at all. And Logan's really good. And just because something isn't overt doesn't mean that it doesn't have value. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, th- I, I saw his comments. I was like, rolling my eyes at Ethan Hawke, but whatever. Yeah, I just, I lumped them with the um, Jodie Foster comments. Not wrong, but if you just change, if you just stand over here uh-huh. and look at it this way, it's different. Yeah. I mean, from what I remember, there were no stretchy pants or anything (laughs) in Logan's. I don't know if he actually watched the movie, Mm -hmm. but uh, this past week I have been watching uh, the Harry Potter movies with Colton, and uh, we've made it up to four, which is the Goblet Goblet, of Fire. So I just want to give a brief update on what my feelings were on Harry Potter so Mm -hmm. far. Uh, And Easily the best one is Prisoner of Azkaban. Without a doubt, hands down, based on the four that I've seen so far, not in... I mean, even including Fantastic Beasts, which is five, then Azkaban is clearly the best one. Um, whether it's Quran's direction or the time travel elements or um, Gary just kind of Gary Oldman's use and like the flip flop and what you think he's going for. And then it's just like the reverse of expectations. I thought it was done really well. Um, the other three I thought are fine to like borderline good, but they haven't really wowed me in any ways um, because they're like they're overly long, they're a little too like cartoony and kiddish which i get that's what they're going for but like i hated visiting that family for the first three movies at the start I'll, mm-hmm. like, get out of here right. and uh then the then goblet of fire was just like kind of a weird mishmash of everything even though the third act with voldemort was the, easily the best part of that yeah. movie they it dips into a different kind of genre yeah. I mean, real quick the other three prior kind of have a like a fun but also a darker element mm-hmm. to it this is just shaded and dark but it's sort of like maze runner kinds of not maze runner um there's the just fourth l- one the fourth one goblet of fire is a little bit more like oh let's have a real big high school <laughs> drama this time yeah. around yeah um, that's true so 
Um, so yeah, Josh, where can people find us though on social media so they can get my Harry Potter updates and anything you're sharing? Yes. Well, well some of your Harry Potter updates were on Snapchat. That's true. Do you need to drop that line? No. Well, anyway, whatever. You can get all of our main um, uh, updates at, on Twitter at, at Friends in Film. And you can stay subscribed and get all of our up latest episodes and big questions on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. But if you can, on iTunes, please leave us a review. It really helps. Yeah, it does. Um, and if you're new to the show or if you've been listening to a while, maybe you haven't tuned in the last couple episodes, I don't know why you haven't, but we recently changed up our format, doing short spoiler-free sections of our reviews and then spoiler-heavy conversations and then diving in back into the news with the, the take it or skip it and then the reintroduction of the flyby just to kind of breeze through some stuff there at the end. So I hope you guys are enjoying this new uh, setup for the show. And on that note, let's jump into the review, which this week is Searching. Uh, the latest thriller starring John Cho, uh, which is uh, a movie I watched just a couple hours ago, honestly. Mm. And so there's, as a time of us recording, there is no review on the site. Okay. There will be, <laughs> uh, but I have not had time to actually write it yet. Um, but I was actually, I was thoroughly impressed by this movie. Um, you know, I was a little concerned that this screen only gimmick was just going to go that far and mm-hmm. be like, you know, Steven Soderbergh's insane earlier this year. It was like, hey, this was filmed with an iPhone. Yeah. That's cool. And it's like, it, it's not. <laughs> I can just tell that this is on an iPhone and not mm-hmm. just like a regular camera. You didn't add anything. But this way, and using, you know, FaceTiming or uh, YouTube videos or uh, news footage, they, I think, found a pretty clever way of telling this story through this um, not you know, totally unique format because uh, the one of the producers, Timur uh, Bekmetevov, um, is the producer on Unfriended and Unfriended Dark Web, which mm-hmm. take the same kind of uh, idea of yeah. it's all on the screen and this is this is your movie. Um, this one I haven't seen Unfriended movies, so I don't know how I was about to ask. how different they are, but I feel like this one's a little different. Um, just based on what I've seen from like trailers of Unfriended, where it's just like jumping from a single camera to then the party view. Mm-hmm. This one, it goes to like webcams, phones, uh, news clippings, like a whole yeah. bunch of different things, um, which I thought was pretty clever. And then John Cho as David Kim uh, gives a great performance. Um, not you know an Oscar worthy performance or anything like that, but he does what is required for this movie to do. You feel for him. You are pulling for him. Um, even when he goes to some otherwise uh, far-reaching places and things he probably shouldn't be doing, you're Very still like, I don't think you should be doing this, but I understand why you are. So mm-hmm. it's okay. <laughs> um, but I mean, even going beyond him, uh, Michelle Allah, who plays his daughter, uh, Margot, she was good. Brief screen time based on the uh, plot of the movie where she is lost or kidnapped or murdered. You don't know. And uh, then Deborah Messing as yeah. the... Uh, detective i also found her to be uh pretty good as well uh really good emotional range and uh really the only thing i could say that is i guess a negative for the movie is that there were certain points where like the screen only gimmick there was one point in particular i was like this doesn't really make any like it's not adding to this or like it felt more forced that of this isn't a natural way to tell this story other than like we have to keep the screen only thing going and then um it wrapped up a little too nicely and abruptly for me they just kind of you're going you're going you're going and then it's like it's over Mm -hmm. it's like oh 
Yeah. Okay. Um, but overall, I'll give it four tickets out of five. Josh, what did you think of searching? Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. Um, when like you're ser- when you're search yeah when you're looking for the right words for searching, um, you have to kind of just throw out what you've seen before on. Um, I want to say I don't want to say single cam because that's not right. Yeah. Um, single screen web format movies, even though I don't know that's still a weird thing to describe the genre. Uh, but I haven't seen a one person show before ever. And I imagine it's hard, mm-hmm. but John Cho gives the best one person performance in film ever. Cause I can't think of a single another. I can't think of another film where it's just been one person. Granted I'm 20 years old and I don't know a whole <laughs> lot. Uh, so he just, what he, what he specifically brings to this movie is, um, uh, f- some dread angst and desperation that you can feel mm-hmm. like he's you know right next to you granted you're staring at his face the entire time so that's where a lot of the acting is coming from um i mean he stands up and he'll do some pacing and walking but it's all right there for us to kind of feel mm-hmm. and because we're he's just on the other side of the the webcam if you will i don't know it feels more intimate and you can really empathize with the journey he goes on searching for his daughter, the rabbit holes and all the twists and turns. And it really gives one of the probably either the best or the second best look at the rabbit holes and spirals and, you know, um, that we can fall down, Mm -hmm. whether we're looking for our daughter or, you know, stalking the ex or <laughs> checking up on, you know, some friends that we haven't seen before, you know, mm-hmm. whatever the case may be. Or even you hear about a new person and you like, all right, <laughs> we'll find everything about this person, you know. And then it also just dovetails nicely into the lives we lead, lead online, mm-hmm. what we share and the traces of ourselves that we yeah. leave. And I was really impressed by that. It was the, it's the adult version of Unfriended in some ways. But the gimmick here is drama, not blood, gore, and mm-hmm. whatever else was in Unfriended. Uh, some kind of parties subplot, uh, humiliation. Uh, Deborah Messing makes a great return or just turn into mm-hmm. drama. Um, her character, Detective Vic, I have some issues with um, near the <laughs> end. But overall, just kind of blown away because this is a tightrope to walk. It walks right up to the line and doesn't go over. Mm -hmm. I mean, it could have gotten boring and I was starting to get bored, but then it ends abruptly, kind of like you said. And I was like, all right, I didn't like the ending. I could have appreciated (laughs) something else, but the movie's over. So I'm, I'm happy. I'm Mm -hmm. satisfied. So I'm right there with you. Uh, Four out of five ticket stubs. Uh, Incredible, but the ending is just so like, what, huh? Nah, yeah. nah I'm not here for that. Oh, Get so you didn't even like how it ends. The twist is kind of contrived. From okay. a movie that's really great everywhere else, the ending's like, oh, well, of course, because it's one of, you know. Yeah, yeah. It becomes a whodunit. Okay. And then, all right. Come yeah, we'll, so let's just move into sports. We can talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> Dodging it a so, little bit. Um, the villain, the, the killer is... Detective Vic yep. and Detective Vic's dirtbag son <laughs> yes. who scams people over the internet for money or the you know people in the neighborhood. And it turns out that John 
or David Kim's daughter, Michelle Margot. Margot um, was catfished by her son into believing that he has a mother with cancer and who's uh-huh. dying, and he needed twenty five hundred dollars to get her treatment. Yeah, um, and eventually it leads into guilt. <laughs> yeah, guilt or something like that. But then they go up and meet, and the son chases her like that part gets weird yeah and it doesn't get nailed down but what happens in the end is defective vic comes out there and either helps hide the body or she just covers up the fact that they know where it is located right um, okay which is why she uh volunteers to take the case instead of just like being randomly assigned to it mm-hmm. so um thinking back on it i think the movie does a decent job of kind of setting up her cover-up story because there's the exchange between her and john Cho where uh, she's telling the story about like the, uh, the mom and dads in blue or whatever the fake organization is mm-hmm. that you know her son set up. And he's like, what did you do when you found out? And she's like, oh, I helped him cover it up. And like, oh, yeah, I found it myself. So you could keep the $25 instead of like making him pay the old lady back, which I, like, at the moment I was like, that's kind of funny, but it's also like, wow, that's kind of really bad parenting. But then when they eventually reveal that she is covering up the disappearance mm-hmm. of his daughter you're like oh right well now that that fits in line um i didn't really i i liked like the reveal you got that twist you thought yeah. it was cool okay it, every reveal in this movie got me it was just like when there was like the fake twist like oh the brother is involved somehow oh my gosh mm-hmm. and then it's like wait are they like is he hooking up with his brother's like daughter like that's really messed up and you're like you're like Yo, David, you need to go kick this guy's butt right now yeah. because this is disgusting <laughs> and you have to take care of it. And then he goes there and you're like rooting for him. And then like Detective Vic's like texting him like, we got him, we got him, like call me back urgently. Um, and then he's just like, no, I was just selling her weed. And he's like, oh, you're fine. Okay. <laughs> it makes you feel better about like the brother because I was like, he seems like a decent guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so if he was like a full on scumbag, I was like, That's, that really sucks. Okay. Um, but then even like going from there to uh what was the other i feel like there's another twist on there um the uh fact that De- detective vic murdered randy or that she w- he was like yeah. one of the inmates yes. at um a prison where she would help where she, she, got, she found like a rehab facility yes. for not not like rehab therapy. for drugs but like a working rehab yes. so like okay you hear you can get a job and they're your next criminal um which like when like the operator on the phone was like, oh yeah, you know, I, we understand why she volunteers. Like, oh shoot, she's involved. And then like when he pulls up the picture of her again, and then sees the guy that just confessed on the video mm-hmm. is there with her. I was like, that's like a cool connection. My big problem with it was just that like it all happened so quickly. It was like here's the reveal. Detective Vic is covering this up, and then the movie ends like eight to ten minutes later. Yeah, because then he's like, I'm going to go to the funeral. And then he rushes out, and then you see the footage. And like, yeah. There's the, the pylons of everything. Um, and then from there, they transport us back over to where Margo is. Mm-hmm. Or they they get out into the woods where Margo is. Yeah. And you realize she's alive and happy. Mm-hmm. And then we get a very uh, – it, it touched me on, like, I didn't feel too much emotion throughout mm-hmm. most of the movie. But I did feel like, oh, she's off yeah. to college now and everything's fine. And or she is, she is, she is applying for her uh, yeah. degree or acceptance letter for piano degree, I guess. Yes, because yeah, because it was like the come around where she's like, I hate piano, and then right, which is interesting. It's like, why? I mean, 
maybe more time has passed and we're led on to believe, mm-hmm. which I assume that is the case. Cause it's like, I hate a piano. I'm stealing a hundred dollars from you every single week to, I want to go to college right. <laughs> for piano. Like, okay. Um, interesting turn there. But you mentioned the, uh, the funeral. Mm-hmm. That was the use where I was like, this is, this was a step too far yeah. of using looking memorial or whatever it was called. I was like, this is dumb. Like who would have a live stream of a funeral? Like it seemed like so ridiculous. Yeah. And then, cause he's like, they, they reach out to him and we're like, we'll cover like part of your funeral costs. Mm-hmm. And if you, if you like go with us, cause we're so like heartbroken over your story. And he just like, responds, she's not dead. And it's like, if I was him and like some random company reached out to me, and was like, Hey, we'll cover your daughter's funeral to get publicity for us. Basically I'd be like, screw you guys. Yeah. I am definitely not using you. So then when he like uses them anyways, it's mm-hmm. like, why? Like I get that you have to do it for like the premise of the movie of like, this is all you're only seeing things that are on another screen. Right. But that was, I was like, this is just like, I'd rather just like be at the funeral or having a regular funeral or something mm-hmm. instead of just like watching it and then being like, Oh, we're having difficulties. Right. It's like, oh, come on. Like we get like, there's, there are some seeds of the idea of it becoming like a very big deal of Margot's disappearance, like, you know, starting to cover now, like, you know, at least extend beyond the community, mm-hmm. but it's only like five or six days or seven days. Yeah. Like it only happens over a it's week, five days, five days. Um, and so it's not like it becomes like this big, massive story where you're like everyone in the entire state's like, what happened? Yeah. It's just sort of like, all right, five days they found her. Like, I don't know if too many people could get on the caring train enough for like. <laughs> well, and, and, and uh, I said that sincerely. Um, I would I would say they definitely can because one of my other favorite parts of this movie was the way they like when John is like searching the like find Margot hashtag or whatever, and like he sees like all the support online and like people are blaming him like he he probably did it or like it's probably just some rando like pedophile like that's who did it. Sure. And then like he finds that like, goes on Facebook and sees the support of the the fake friend people who mm-hmm. are like oh we were best friends yes. and I was like oh I hate those people and so like the fact that like they shined a spotlight on that without getting like too. Like they didn't show like John show like reading that comment and then have like his FaceTime thing still pulled up and then like just taking the computer and like just smashing it repeatedly because that's what I would have done. Like you literally told me you only invited my daughter to study group because you're trying to get into Berkeley and she's also smart. Yeah. And then now you're like, oh, she's my best friend and I'm going to put this five minute video online of me crying over missing her and it's going to get a hundred thousand views and a bunch of shares and likes and thumbs up. And so like. I, I really like that they like brought that into the equation as well. And so just being like, Oh, people are like sad that she's gone. Now it's like, people are like trying to profit themselves yeah. off of her disappearance of either like in a personal gain or in like her case, just like, Oh, I'm trying to look like a really good person. Yeah. It, and it's like, that's, I hate those people. Um, and like, yeah, I, I, just this, just this week on Twitter, I think someone tweeted out the idea. It was about John McCain's passing or mm-hmm. something like that. And he's like, I'm and someone who ultimately is doing it themselves anyway, but they're like, why don't you stop tweeting your like favorite memory of John McCain and like, and get over or stop trying to make his death about you by right. sharing your, your, your cute or sweet story. I was like, I kind of get that, but also I, kind of don't yeah so that was interesting but then yeah that, it's like it's that's like, a really good point it's like there's always those examples like uh you know like i remember like when robin williams died it was like oh that's sad mm-hmm. and then like you go online you go on twitter and it's just like everybody r.i.p robin williams r.i.p robin williams like 
you know, Aladdin's my favorite movie of all time. Like, love Goodwill Hunting. It's like I get like you have to, you want to like honor those people's careers and stuff right when they pass. Yeah. But then it's like, oh, I'm the biggest Robin Williams fan in the world. Flubber's my number one movie. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it's like, have you seen any other movies? <laughs> and it's like you're clearly just like doing this. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, I've been guilty of this in the same way. Like I'm sure everybody has in some instance of like yeah. trying to boost their social media profile or presence through the use of like supporting a certain cause or, you know, acting like you're upset about something that's yeah. going on. And the fact that I touched on it here without going like too heavy handed with it, I was just like that part really stuck out to me of like yeah. a really great inclusion in this I, story. I didn't, pick, I, I did not pick up on that in earnest until you brought that back up. I mean, I'm like, oh, like I get it, like, like what would happen? But no, I, man, wow, yeah. Now I could talk about that aspect yeah. forever. Well, it's that's awesome, really because cool. it's also just something that's like not. I don't. We don't see that in movies, like, no. because it's either like, all right, we're like, I just rewatched Taken, and it's like, in Taken, it's just like you're out, you're with Liam Neeson, and you're help, you're with him trying to find his daughter. There's mm-hmm. no like, well, what are the people back home doing about it? Yeah. Are they like worried? Are they starting a social media campaign? It's like. No, that's not a thing, but I'm like doing this here. It was, uh, it was a really great, like it's only a minute of the movie, I think, but it was just like such a, I thought just like a genius thing to include. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's a huge, that's a huge idea. The idea that we all, I mean, it's pretty, sometimes it's obvious, I guess that we're all faking it in some way just so we can be a part of the conversation. And yeah. Oh man. Uh, I love this movie a little bit more now. Now that I can think about that, that is such a great po- idea to pause it in there. Yeah, and I was um, just really focused on just the the, the different levels and um, all like the the presence itself mm-hmm. and all those bits and pieces of herself that she leaves elsewhere. It's like she's a one person here, yeah, different person here, different person here, mm-hmm. and then she's got that whole blog where she just spills her guts to right. everyone and. Which that's definitely like kind of not the exact same thing, but it's this, it's a similar thing with like social media and online presence and right. maintaining a personality or maintaining a certain look or status quo or whatever mm-hmm. um, on brand. Yes, you got to you got to keep <laughs> your brand. Um, another reason why, if you like this stuff, I think you'd love eighth grade because there's a lot of elements of that in eighth grade as well. I, I, I'm in the most cliche Josh way possible. <laughs> I read the New Yorker profile the other day and now I, I, pro- I think it's still showing at the local, like the nearest movie theater to me. So I may drop in there oh. this weekend Develop with my me. new AMC A-list membership. Ooh. So I'm going to have Upgraded. to <laughs> <laughs> Um I'm trying to think if there's anything. Oh, we got to touch on a couple. I have at least two other things I want to mention. Please. Um, the opening 10 minutes crushing just like seeing like the family photos and the family videos it's like oh they're like such a nice family and you get like the memories and i love even just like the evolution of the internet like you get to mm-hmm. see early yes uh youtube you get to see early uh facebook and it's like even you go all the way back to like uh early microsoft windows and it's like right. i love seeing the evolution of the technology and the um, appreciation for the uh pixel quality in the videos as well. yes like that's a that's a detail that i would have overlooked <laughs> But maybe that's why I'm not like a high profile filmmaker, but they got that. And I was like, beautiful. Even huge shout out to including addicting games in the opening. <gasps> oh, man. I, I used to spend hours mm-hmm. on that, especially like in the library at school. Yeah. We would get on there, play like, I don't remember. They had like all those like stick figure shooter games. Yes. And then like there was this 
game called Kitten Cannon, mm-hmm. which is uh, terrible <laughs> in retrospect. But at the at the time when I was like a third grader, like the most fun game to play. It's like shoot a kitten out of cat out of yes. cannon and see how far it could go. Um, that I was like, wow, this movie understands you, the internet really yes, well. And if you get it, and if you hit if you hit it just right, you'll get a credit TNT. Yeah, it'll send you soaring. We'll keep going, perfect. Yeah, oh, uh, so I had to throw that one. Uh, throw a shout out to Addicting Games in there, but like beyond the internet aspects it's like one of the best opening kind of set up for heartbreak sequences since up mm-hmm. uh, that's an easy comparison to make but just like a job so well done of like um margot entering in like mom comes home on this day and then like she drags it like three weeks later and you're like oh man and then she's like right click delete and you're like oh no Yep. It's like, it's, it was just so like heartbreaking. And I was like, but it was such a simple way to do it instead of doing like the typical way. Like they found a way to make it work within the confides of these, the idea that this movie's based on, mm-hmm. uh, which I thought yeah. was great. Um, I, I, one of the lines I wrote here, I hadn't, but it's going to use it for my closing, but did you get your other part? Uh, I have one other Please. thing. It's more of just like a, not, maybe not a nitpick, but just like a, what are you doing sort of a thing. Okay. Um, David is clearly very like tech savvy. Yes. Like he's always on, he's always using a camcorder or his phone or mm-hmm. the computer or something, but he's not on Facebook. <laughs> he's not friends with his daughter on Facebook. He, she had a fake, she had another Facebook. She had a, right? she had a regular Facebook account, but he wasn't on Facebook. Oh, that, cause that's why like it was private. I missed that. It was just like, <laughs> It's 2018. Yeah. <laughs> if, you're, if your child has a Facebook, I'm pretty sure you'd have a Facebook as well and mandate you'd be friends with them so you can see their friend lists and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's a great question. Because then he only got all those contacts once he was able to hack her Facebook account right. and then see it that yeah. way. I thought it was... I don't know how I missed that. Okay. I took it, I took it as that was like a... You know, like people have like their fake accounts uh-huh. for other stuff. I thought that was what that what that was. Okay, never mind. All right, <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's a great that's a great point. I did not know he didn't have one. Yeah, because it was does like he say that he does not say it, but like he he opens up her computer mm-hmm. and goes to Facebook, and it's like her name's in there instead of just being like, um, like like I'll just go to my user right. and go to her page that way. Yeah, he even like Googled, um. Margot, Kim, social media, San Jose, California. Yeah. And then that, then he pulled up like Instagram, mm-hmm. private, right. Twitter, private with one tweet, clearly not very active. Uh, and then he got Facebook also private. And I was just like, I guess he's just not on social media. Cause then if he was, he'd be able to like log into his Instagram or his Facebook or his Twitter. If he was like following them and, or following any of her accounts and then look at it that way. Yeah, that is a weird nuance, isn't it? There's like, I mean, I get I understand why they would maybe do it this way. So then you get the hacking sequence and stuff. <laughs> sure. But it was just like a, who's not on Facebook th- these days? <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's a good point. Uh, you know, I know a few people that actually aren't, but we live in Indiana, so True. there are a few people. I mean, like my younger sisters are not currently on Facebook. Mainly, I just think out of interest. Like they're on Instagram and Snapchat and stuff. That's where it's at. Um, that's the new hot social media stuff. But like. Mm-hmm. Still, I feel like most parents nowadays have Facebook. Oh, yeah. And if your kid has a social media, I feel like you also have that social media and follow was them. Was that the rule when you got Facebook? You yeah. Yeah, because I was mm-hmm. the one in my family like pushing to get Facebook. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I, I, come on. I, all my friends are having Facebook. And then like 
I, my dad had to sign up and right. like test it out himself. And then I got to sign up and then like my whole family came on board. And now my, my mom and my dad use Facebook way more than I do. Yeah. I how far even, we've come. I don't even use Facebook. I barely even use Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> you barely use Twitter. I mean, for like personal stuff. Oh, okay. Gotcha. I mean, writing and podcasting stuff. Right. Yes. I'm on it all the time, but gotcha. I'm not tweeting out. I was like, just had McDonald's. Ju- gotcha. Of course. <laughs> I think we've all moved past that. Yeah. Now. I think so. Now we just yell at each other. Yeah. It's all- <laughs> The American flag's not in first man. What? <laughs> oh, jeez. Um, so you're closed? My closing line was just that this movie is the first real hit of the genre. And then I broke down. It's like the X-Men, the Dark Knight, or the Iron Man of a single screen movie. Okay. It, like, it's, High praise. It's defining. And I think anything that comes along after it will be like, well, was it like searching? Mm-hmm. And then we'll be like, it was, but it's all a love story this time. And there you have it. That'd or be interesting. A catfishing else. story. Oh yeah, Mante Teo's <laughs> biography. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh jeez. Oh, All Manti right, Teo. but yeah, um, Anish Chandri. Yes. Fantastic job. Yes. The director. Definitely had to give him a shout because I forgot to mention that earlier. But yes, great job directing. Um, let's see if he has any projects coming up here. I don't have my internet on, so who knows. Um, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed this movie, obviously. Uh, hopefully you guys will go check it out. It looks to be doing pretty well at the box office just in terms of people's interest and everything. And again, it's following up Crazy Rich Asians and all that stuff. So there's a big push for this movie and everything. So uh, go check it out. I mean, it's it's very good in both of our opinions. Even great, you could say. Um, so on that note, we will end our review of Searching. We'll be right back in a bit with the news. talking about matt smith joining star wars episode nine uh, that came from variety this week there's no news in terms of who he's playing the uh early obvious inter- internet speculation is he's either another raised father candidate going in through flashbacks or he is another knights of ren or he is young snoke oh geez which of those three is it <laughs> probably raised mom i mean dad no i don't know <laughs> um i don't think he's any of those i mean i don't know matt smith can be the 11th doctor or he can i mean i think the photo that they were running with him um for the role or at least Mm -hmm. the publications were with is him in a tuxedo with just enough wrinkles (laughs) on his forehead to make him look villainous yeah and that's what he's that's what he has been doing on the crown Mm -hmm. um is just being a little aloof and kind of angsty and edgy and if there's anyone that can like slap around ben solo it is matt smith it's your character you're leaning more towards villainous i am thinking he is a think he's going to be some kind of villain but if he's a some kind of gung-ho resistance fighter (laughs) that's gonna say like tally ho five to ten times that is gonna be the greatest thing to ever happen to star wars since oh boy dominic montague had joined Star Wars Episode 9 Monahan thank you 
Uh, I, <laughs> so it's the I, best that happened to Star Wars in two weeks. Right. <laughs> um, and, and this is like, this is the casting, this is the Lord Dern level casting choice. Benicio Del Toro level casting choice. Do you expect similar level screen time? Yes. You don't go grab Matt Smith for just anything. Oh, and that and that means I'm saying like you know ten to fifteen minutes, twenty. Okay. Yeah, he'll be significant to the movie's plot in some kind of way because you can get Simon Pegg to do some kind of British voice work or alien voice work. Yeah, but that's like a day. Exactly. You get Matt Smith because you want his face on camera. I I would agree. Um, yeah, I mean I am I don't know if I've ever seen Matt Smith in anything honestly. Well, that's correction. I saw Terminator Genesis, whatever that, the fifth, fourth one, fifth, fifth one yep. was. Um, What's he in that? I don't, I, I don't know, but like you know, his he was cast. <laughs> he was and, there, and it was and like the 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 solo poster of him with like you know his mouth wide open, like screaming angrily and shooting a gun. That was all of my timeline for like a good thirty minutes. So uh, he is he's in that movie. I don't remember his role at all. He's probably a Terminator or something, um, but. Yeah, so like I don't have a lot to go on. I know he's highly regarded in terms of his abilities, so I is more just like, oh yeah, I really need to check out the crown. That's what this casting did for me because I'm like, I'm not gonna run through you know 40 years of Doctor Who or however many years that's been around for. Uh, it's very anthology like. So if you just start at season six, series six with Matt Smith, but that's just not who I am. Like if I'm gonna watch something, I've got to watch it all. It's a total reset, though. It doesn't matter. All right. <laughs> Oh, he's John Connor. Is he John Connor? No, I thought that was um, Captain Boomerang Man from uh, Suicide Squad. It's his name I can't remember right now for whatever reason. But, uh, yeah, so I don't really I, – I am leaning more towards a villain as well for Matt Smith. Okay, yeah. Um, what role exactly? I don't know. I think he would be a really cool Knight of Ren uh, just because, like, him and, and Adam Driver together then would be a really fun pairing. And, like, you can – you can envision him also like taking off a mask and like standing there and like arguing with Kylo about something. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would, I think that would be a cool way. And if it's not that, and he's just like a random resistance guy, fine. Um, but like, that's the thing. Like we don't know anything about the plot of this movie really. So it's like, well, I don't know how we could fit in. So it's more just like, well, is he going to be a good guy or a bad guy or neutral? And I would lean more towards bad. And since I really want the Knights of Ren to be involved in some capacity, just so we can get to see them more than that brief mm-hmm. force forward, force back, whatever whatever area in the timeline that yeah. scene exactly took place, um, then I would hope he would fit in that group. Right. If he's like the first lieutenant, to give him a, a darker enforcer, because Hux is kind of a punching bag now, mm-hmm. for for better or worse. So if you bring in Matt Smith to be a little sinister, and then he can be a foil to Poe or um, anyone else, mm-hmm. that would that would be great too. But yeah, I definitely need to know. I need to need one of the Knights of Ren because him and Adam Driver look the same age, yeah. about. So that would be that'd be perfect. I would love that. I really would, especially because he'd have a lightsaber. Yeah, you'd, you'd you'd imagine so. Mm-hmm. I would hope so. Or if he's oh, if he has like one of those like stick things, I mean that's okay too. The in the in the force thing, none of the other knights of Ren are holding lightsabers, correct? That's true. It's just Kylo, and I believe. But they the, all other have like kind of weapons. Yeah, the, near them. there's a there's an official guide that 
gives them all a bunch of different kind of weapons. Okay. So if they give him like an ensemble team, and Matt Smith is one of the one, ones that go unmasked, that Listen, would be sweet. If the Knights of Ren are Kylo, or if they're if it's Adam Driver leading the way, but then it's Matt Smith and Dominic Monaghan and three <sighs> other people by his side, right? There's just five of them. Yes. I think. Um, that would be that would be great, and that means we have three other castings to come. There's also a report that they're looking for a young Charlize Theron type uh, to play some other supporting role um, in the movie as well. So that's another actress if yet to come. They're casting Knights of Ren. That's what it is. Is there a female in there? One, two, three, four. They're all masked. Oh, so you, you don't and they know. Ha- they have names, I believe, but they have no identities. Okay. And if they're casting the Knights of Ren... That is going to be Listen, epic. If if it's not in nine, I don't think we ever see the Knights of Ren again. Because like, no. where else would they show up? The uh, the Star Wars animated show. Like, what are they? Perhaps. Gonna... <laughs> but no, because I mean, yeah, I, that's possible. You know what? The plot of Episode Nine is Kylo Ren. Is this a scoop? Has <laughs> given has given the Knights of Ren grand moth like status over the galaxy is they try to snuff out the resistance or it's full-fledged war and they're running and they're just his lieutenants and generals mm-hmm. and Huck's just the right-hand man who hangs around there and gets force pushed into walls. <laughs> oh, that would be epic. That uh, would be so epic. I, I don't think we'll see that uh, cartoony Huck's in nine. I think JJ's going to take him back more towards seven Huck's range a little bit. Maybe we'll see. But I mean, we will. Ben Solo has moved into that role, so he can he can he can push someone around. True, now. but I th- I think it'd be better for Kylo as a villain to have another villain like person next to him pushing his ideals in some way, either with them or against them. Which is Matt Smith. Than to have you know Hux there just like screaming, yelling, "You're not doing this right!" And like, <laughs> you know, more fire again, and just sure. repeating his commands over and over. Like, I'd rather see like Donald Gleason get a little bit more to do. Um, so, anyways, let's move on, please, to uh, the Rock's latest project because yes. it's been a while since we talked about a Rock project. And in typical Rock fashion, he has lined up another high-profile film. This one comes courtesy of Deadline, who revealed that Warner Brothers and New Line have won a bidding war for a movie called The King which is a Hawaiian epic which will be directed by Robert Zemeckis that stars Dwayne Johnson as King Kamamea. Kamehameha? Yes, no, you got it. Kamamea. Uh, the King is written by Braveheart scribe Randall Wallace, and then production is set to begin in 2020 at some point. So likely this movie is coming out in 2021. This package of Zemeckis, Johnson, Wallace, um, with the epic Hawaiian story behind it, Sounds like an amazing project, something that I am very interested to see from The Rock because currently he is the blockbuster king. He's doing, um, you know, skyscrapers and um, rampages and jungle cruises and Hobbs and Shaw's. And this, while will definitely be big budget, seems more like something that maybe could go even more dramatic, more... um, rangeful in the way that Johnson's going to have to act if he has to be this big uh, king figure, but then also um, bring together the warring tribes and then go against these um, explorers who are invading Hawaii. Like mm-hmm. it sounds like his Braveheart, which is an obvious comparison to make because Randall Wallace also wrote Braveheart. And that was oh. like the inspiration for this movie in some ways. Um, this all sounds like a great pairing. And even though we're not probably getting it for another three years, when 2021 comes around, the king 
I assume will be high up on my list of like, I really want to see this movie because I want to see something different from the rock. Yeah. It's his move into high drama. Maybe dare we say a movie that could be nominated for Oscars. Who knows? It's possible. Robert Zemeckis is attached. Um, he's shepherding life of Marwin, um, into, or welcome to Marwin. Welcome to Marwin into Oscar season. I mean, or, <laughs> it, it, you know, is, it is going territory. to be released in there. Yes. Uh, I've got air quotes, folks. Um, <laughs> you can't see it, but this sounds super cool. Um, like he, like even like I was reading the legend here of, uh, uh King come Kame Amea <laughs> Kamea or yeah. Kamehameha. Kamehameha, thank you. Um, and like he unites all of he's like the first king of Hawaii. He mm-hmm. unites all of the islands together against like James Cook and all these explorers. <laughs> he was like born underneath the passing of Haley's Comet, which is just sounds legendary. That does. Um, and you can just go like all the way through this. It could be it could be super campy mm-hmm. um, and crazy. But if it's they they hire Hoyt Van Hoima to go down there and shoot this movie, uh, and go, just take it out from there, I'm already loving it. And I I don't know anything other than the premise and what historians have put on Wikipedia. Yeah, or some guy in the basement. Who knows? <laughs> I mean, it could be both. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So yeah, I'm I'm so here for this too. Yeah, I mean, it it instantly made me think of last week's episode. We're like, oh well, if Zendaya is gonna be Ariel and Little Mermaid, then you just get The Rock to be King Neptune. And I'm like, well, this is like kind of that. <laughs> right. In some way, he's going to be a king. Mm-hmm. Um, it's surely going to be some huge epic. So uh, maybe we're one step closer to that really marriage so. happening. So uh, let's also touch on a couple of release date changes that came from Paramount this week. Uh, one, not actually a change, is an official green light for A Quiet Place 2, which is now officially coming out on May 15th, 2020. Uh, John Krasinski is confirmed to be writing the script for it. And THR says he is expected to direct as well, which is a huge move for him. And the movie as well, and I think signals a direct continuation of a, from a quiet place instead of like an anthology style movie mm-hmm. in this regards. But then they also gave some potentially disappointing news around who you are that Top Gun two, AKA Top Gun Maverick is uh, not coming out next year on July 12th. As originally slated, it is now being pushed a full year till June 26th, 2020. This was uh, apparently the result of, uh, them trying to make sure their flight sequences and their flight stunts and all that stuff are up to code, up to par. Uh, They really deliver on those aspects. So it seems like a delay made for a good reason. And personally, I can wait another year for Top Gun 2, even if it's currently filming. So we'll have plenty of time to wait around to see what they actually make up. But A Quiet Place 2 coming out two years after the first in a prime May summer release date. Is this a good move? Yes. It's a very good move. Um, Wait. Top Gun or Quiet Place? Both. Either. Either, yes. Because they're both happening in 2020. Yes. Now. In prime summer release mm-hmm. dates. Yeah. Good moves for both of them. First of all, as a Tom Cruise, newly, Tom, newly converted Tom Cruise fan, giving him as much time, money, and resources to do whatever he and his director um, 
Kolopsky. Joseph Kaczynski. Kaczynski. Thank you. I, I knew it was I knew it was different than Krasinski, but I went <laughs> but it was too close far. In some regards, yeah. Right. I just forgot it for a sec. Um, <laughs> let them do their thing. Let them get it as as great as Tom as we expect a movie with Tom Cruise to be outside of the mummy. So, and, <laughs> and Jack Reacher and too. Jack Reacher never go back. Um, and let them have fun because they have a stacked cast and they're following up a film that was like the movie for so many people. Mm-hmm. So get it right, make it practical and put us on the edge of our seats. Yeah. Take us to the danger zone again. And the only way they know how, and as for, you know, quiet place, first of all, if they don't, name it too quiet of a place i will be so mad but this is great for john and everything else if it means emily blunt's coming back too i really really hope it does um i'm gonna be excited for this too yeah i mean i personally i mean i think it does signal that this is as i said a direct continuation of a quiet place not like oh well what happened at silos three over there mm-hmm. in that same time period right like if if krasinski coming back I feel like it's because he wants to continue a story. And I think he's already been talking about like, oh, you know, we've got ideas what would come next. Um, I would assume this also means that, you know, Millicent Simmons, Emily Blunt, Noah uh, Shoop, Shoop, uh, they all come back as well. I just want to know what that means from a story perspective. Right. Because it's like, do you pick up right after and just have her like, you open it with a big action sequence, them fending off the other two uh, creatures that are at their house, and then it's them trying to rebuild and move forward or you know because this movie's going to take place two years after or i mean released two years after um and they're just in the script writing phase currently it's probably not shooting until 2019 uh maybe even late 2019 at this point uh is there some sort of progression in time and it's them and they're in a new place they've they've moved to a different city they've found other people that they can team up with. Yeah. Um, I just really want to know more about the story aspect because I think a quiet place is such a good, a great film on its own that I don't know if I need to see exactly what comes next for these characters instead of just like an anthology style franchise. Mm-hmm. So, right. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm super happy that a sequel's coming or another film in this universe and that Krasinski's got another job and all that stuff. But I, I want to know more about the story before I'm like, I guess completely on board for it. True. I know Woods and Beck, the, the original two writers of the movie mm-hmm. or the screenplay, um, said they left a lot of material, you know, on the table. Got it. But can you? I just wonder how you replicate it. Yeah. Like I'm excited for this. I'm gonna go see it. I'm happy for John and everything. I hope. And my concerns about the continuing story are there too. But Blunt and Simmons and Schuper were so great mm-hmm. that. I'm fine with that. But, you know, they've already figured out the game. Yeah. So what do you do? How do you, because you have to make it different. You have mm-hmm. to make a turn somewhere here that, it, or else it's just the same thing. Right. Oh, I mean, if anything, it'd be less interesting because they, like you said, they know how to defeat these things now. Mm-hmm. You put on some high frequency noise and they're basically, they go insane and then you can shoot them in their brains and they're dead. Yeah. So yep. they're kind of invincible. Uh, which again, it goes back to my point of like, why aren't like, if you're doing this and th- again, this isn't confirmed. Uh, do you know if the writer, the original writers are back in any aspect either? Did not see um, anything. I in don't the release. Yeah. I didn't see anything about it either, but I was just thinking about it now. Um, 
So I, I yeah, I just I want to know, I guess how they can make a sequel to this by while well, keeping the same, you know, quiet, you know, very you know low use of sound angle and pull it off. It'd be like if Searching Two happened. Be like, well, how are you? How are you going to do this again? <laughs> right. <laughs> With just the screen aspect, like it would seem just too contrived, possibly. Yeah. And I, you know, I have a lot of faith in Krasinski. I hope that he'll find a way to, you know, make this not just like a a cash grab for Paramount in some ways, but you know, I still do have some potential, you know, reservations. I guess I would say about it. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a quiet place year one. Yeah. Even though I mean, I would it even, does like, take place the first year. Like, yeah. I would... Uh, no. It's day 400-something, right? But we, we begin in, like, year seven or day 74 or something well, like yeah. that. 64, so... I'd be okay with, like, day one. That'd be interesting. And, like, we see, like, mm-hmm. the attack and, like, maybe they can... They tell, like, how... They learn to be quiet. Yeah. And it moves and then us And that from... way you can keep Krasinski involved as he's yes. an actor. That would be a great way to go because then it's a different style i mean it you could almost smack us over the head with sound mm-hmm. and then move us to a place where we like really appreciate yeah it. and like i don't know how, how well that would work from like a viewer's perspective like well i know all these people make it out alive i know what ultimately is the way to solve the problem but i mean if you do like a thriller aspect where it's like you know just sound 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 alien invasion like all this stuff like there's there's a way to do it and, and make it different um which i would be interested to see like more from Kaczynski. Does he want to replicate the quiet nature or does he want to do something different with a quiet place too? So yeah. um, it's kind of up in the air at this point, but you know, still quiet place was, was in our top 10 consensus list. It was. Cause it was like my number two. Yes. And it was in my top, it was my nine or something, I think. Yes. So, so we both obviously love the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and so continuation, Great by us. Let's move on to Ticket or Skip It here, um, where we had actually a load of trailers, which is why this new format of Ticket or Skip It, where we only give one ticket per each of us, mm-hmm. can get very dicey. Yes. Because <laughs> Bad Times at El Royale, the teaser trailer for Vox Lux, a, the final trailer for First Man, the first trailer for Front Runner, and the final trailer for The Predator all came out this week, Josh. You have one ticket. I know. You, you only have one of your uh, A-list you know, reservations left you can use this Mm -hmm. week. Which one are you signing up for? I really thought, I mean, first man was going to get my ticket because I hadn't given it one before. And finally this trailer was like, wow, I really like this one here. This is the first time I got the sense of the drama Mm -hmm. and the scope of the movie, as well as Ryan Gosling, you know, Claire Claire Foy is great in the trailer as well. Absolutely. Her telling Kyle Chandler, he's just a boy. I can put that on repeat. Right. (laughs) But the predator is like, We've been saving everything for last. Yeah. And that's who I'm giving my ticket to okay. because it was, this is where I saw the hilarity of the nice guys and the hilarity of Kiss Kiss Bang Bang and Iron Man 3 shine in yes. the Predator and where the action just says, Shane Black is directing this. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make sure it's as gross, as visceral, and as <laughs> hilarious as possibly. <laughs> and the, the money shot of the Predator just disemboweling someone. Yeah. Um, is going to look so good on a rated R screen. <laughs> I, I, I just cannot wait. I think they like darkened it like, yeah. so they could get away with it. I mean, it is a R band trailer. Was I it believe. a red band trailer? Cause I mean, they, 
I don't remember if it's my if it's Keegan Michael Key or if it's Boyd Holbrook or something, but an oh, F yeah. bomb has definitely dropped. Oh, that's right. Yep. <laughs> and there's plenty of gore to go around. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I I'm really excited to see it. Yeah, uh, that the Predator is not getting my tickets, even though it is close. Because I feel like mm-hmm. we've been pretty down on the Predator from a marketing perspective. I was like, sure. oh, well, this one did really sell me on it. But the second, the last trailer we talked about, I also thought was a lot better than the first trailer. Yep. So they saved their best for last, which is good. But I'm I'm going to give my ticket to the front runner. Um, really? Just because uh, this is a movie that's on that's been on my radar. We haven't seen anything from it, and getting that first glimpse, it's like. Oh well, now I see why this is being saved for the end of the year. This is why it's being saved for award season because Hugh Jackman looks great. He's got like his Oscar clip uh, to send around everybody, or he's yelling at J.K. Simmons, and then J.K. fires right back at him. He's like, "Here's my Oscar clip too for supporting actor." Uh, and both of them look like they're on the top of their games. Vera Farmiga is also in it as uh, Hugh Jackman's wife, and so I want to see more of her and just like the the story around it all, the scandal, um, the running for president, the on the political aspects as well. I think it just has the makings for a really intriguing uh, movie. And Jason Reitman already has delivered a great film in Tolly earlier this year. And the fact that he's following it up with this at the end of the year, uh, I think speaks volumes in terms of which movie he believes has more of an awards uh, potential for it. Even though I think Charlize still is given one of the best leading female performances of the year. And Mackenzie Davis is great in support as well. So, if this is better than Tolly, then I feel like this has the potential to be one of the best films of the year. So seeing it, how to give it to Frontrunner. All right, fair enough. I will say this to Frontrunner. It has one of the best movie posters. Yes, <laughs> the movie poster. The, that may have also influenced this. Yeah, the, the, it's just the bus driving right off the edge of a cliff yeah. with the media like chasing after it. Uh, I thought that was perfect. Yeah, it was pretty good. Um, and yeah, I, just to briefly mention Bad Times at Royale, I thought that trailer was really solid mm-hmm. as well. It was close. First Man, I've given a ticket to the last three or two things we talked about with First Man. So I've already bought two tickets. <laughs> yes. So I was like, oh, all right, I don't need to buy three just Fair yet. Um, and then, you know, Vox Lux, that's like 45 seconds of Natalie Portman just walking. So mm-hmm. it's like, uh, aesthetically, it looks good. Yeah. But if it's actually good, I don't know. <laughs> sure <laughs> like, thing. Definitely get tell based on that trailer. So uh, let's move into the flyby then. Uh, going back to Dwayne Johnson, uh, his producing partner, Danny Garcia, told Collider this week that his Big Trouble in Little China remake is not a remake. It is a continuation of the 1986 film starring Kurt Russell. So they're basically taking the Jumanji route with this instead of just completely remaking it. I think that's a great move because even though I think Big Trouble in Little China is just like pretty good. There's a lot of people out there who love it, who grew up with it, um, who see Kurt Russell as just like this iconic figure as Jack Burton, I believe is his name. Um, so going that route, maybe ha- finding a way to bring Kurt Russell back into the fold. Right. This makes this seems like just the smarter business move um, from this movie's perspective. Instead of making Big Trouble in Little China, yeah. you can make Big Trouble in Little China 2 mm-hmm. or Big Trouble in little bigger trouble something in China. Uh, <laughs> go to a different you know location um so mm-hmm. i think i think this is a smart move on their part yeah like listen i mean the rock is basically his own producer type guy now so he can grab any actor he wants so he just kind of like like this idea of him swooping into properties raising them up putting them on his shoulders and then letting the heroes of old back into the fold a little ways mm-hmm. not so much with jumanji obviously yeah i mean that was you can't do otherwise right if, if robin was still alive mm-hmm. would have demanded he him he, he, he would have been there yeah for, for sure. sure 
The Rock would definitely not have passed that up. Absolutely. So if he can, if he can get Kurt Russell back in this thing, awesome. I haven't seen the movie, but you know, uh, that you do. Oh, returning your old star is always the best move for mm-hmm. a sequel. It's about like the, the torch handoff is the only way to go if you're going to do something like this. I mean, so. it, that may not be the case. I think we did a whole big question about what's the best way to reboot a franchise. Go check that out from like a couple months ago. Yeah, that's a good um, one. <laughs> Indiana I don't, Jones I don't, is at the heart of it. I don't know what, because this would, this isn't a remix. This isn't, this is a reboot. This is a, this is a continuation because the sequel. But it's also rebooting the franchise in a way. True. I don't know. I don't know. Something that was turned off. <laughs> it's a restart. I like that. It's a restart. It's a restart for the franchise. There we go. Um, another franchise that uh, WB is looking to restart is Supergirl, a movie they made many, many years ago. Barely anybody's seen it. And uh, the Geeks Worldwide reported this week that Reed Morano is apparently being considered to direct the Supergirl movie uh, for Warner Brothers. She is best known for her, her uh, episodes of The Handmaiden's Tale on Hulu currently. Um, and she's also got a couple of upcoming projects that are pretty uh Look, that look pretty interesting. One like like a post-apocalyptic end of day movie with uh, Peter Dinklage, and then the rhythm section with Blake Lively comes out next year. So she's definitely director on the rise. Um, I've not seen any of her work, but I've only heard great things about Reed Morano's ability as a director and everything. So if this is who they ultimately get, then great. Yeah. Uh, if she's being considered, that means the heat off of um, the Dinklage film. Mm-hmm. The only one around, something like that. Yeah, um, I should have. We just said it like ten seconds ago uh, before we started. Uh, but then also, the one I'm more excited about, the one I know more about, is the rhythm section, mm-hmm. a thriller with Blake Lively and Sterling K. Brown. Um, so if she's directing them into excellence, or just directing them at all, <laughs> someone's had confidence in her abilities, and she's been cinematographer on um, countless projects here. So this is this looks like a good move. Um, I'll be able to. Definitely say that when I actually watch The Handmaiden's Tale. Same. <laughs> um, as well as uh, the rhythm section and... I think we're alone now. I think we're alone now. So, but yeah, absolutely. The idea that there's Supergirl is looking for a director, I mean, that mean that means the movie is moving towards yeah. casting and then production, which is even cooler. Yeah, I mean, I think we only got the news out. Uh, the 22 Jump Street writer was working on it like about a month ago, I think. So the script is still definitely in the early phases. But, uh, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if this is a movie that WB is looking at for a 2019 filming, yeah. whether it's in the summer or the fall or something. So, and then it could be a 2020, 2021 release. So Supergirl's probably not as far away as we think, unless maybe Henry Cavill's contract gets re-opted and then Supergirl's put on the back burner for a little bit and then they get Man of Steel fast-tracked instead. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, but the last thing we'll touch on here is a report from Deadline, which had a lot of stuff about the Russo brothers and their Agbo production house, which is gearing up to launch uh, launch a whole bunch of properties, including one that will reunite the Crazy Rich Asian stars Aquafina and Michelle Yeoh for, quote, an interdimension action film, end quote, called Everything Everywhere All at Once. Uh, the movie will be directed by Swiss Army Man directors Dan Kwan and Dan Schinert. Also known as just the dance for yes <laughs> easier pronunciation. Um, coming off Crazy Rich Asians, I think this is good. I think this is a smart pairing for the Russos that gets um, just an action film with Aquafina and Michelle Yeoh sounds like a different turn, especially for Aquafina, who's mainly been uh, in comedy roles as of late. So mm-hmm. 
that seems uh, like it just sounds like an interesting movie at this point. And then, you know, Swiss Army Man, I caught this past week, uh, you know, going in as the farting corpse movie mm-hmm. of Daniel Rack. I was like, this is just going to be weird. And it was definitely weird at the start. But then like, oh, it, it got me. I liked it. I had fun and uh, ultimately enjoyed the movie. So them getting a follow up film in this aspect seems like a good pairing yeah absolutely um and i think that was like the most surprising thing was for the russo brothers to say not that they picked a directing duo but that they're like these guys yeah like these are going to be the people who start putting out movies at our house which is fine mm-hmm. um but like swiss army man and the, the dans as you said were like the last people i would be <laughs> thinking about um but then again the russos came from comedy yeah so this is this is great uh, like weird comedy too. Mm-hmm. Like there's no way to watch Arrested Development and not think this is the probably the this was probably the, one of the weirdest things on television at the time. Uh, <laughs> uh, anytime you see Tobias in his never new jean shorts, it's just so tough. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm about this, and it's cool to see them getting ready to stick their neck out for all sorts of mm-hmm. crazy cool stuff. And then I can't say enough about how much I love Aquafina and Chris yeah. Rotations. So. Um, more re- leading roles for her is the best news. Yeah, I mean, definitely keeping out on Agbo in the next uh, couple of years here. They're also doing a 17 Bridges movie starring Chadwick Boseman. And then they also announced a Chris Hemsworth uh, action thriller where he's like trying to save a kid overseas. And it's directed mm. by Chris Evans's stunt double, who's been like doing a bunch of like second unit stuff and stuff, everything for them. So, uh, this house and they also have a bunch of projects in the work from Andy Muschietti and uh, his producing partner. So nice. uh, Agbo could be one of those, you know, names that is going to pop on a bunch of independent movies. You're going to be like, Oh, that movie was great. Hopefully that movie is great. And it's like, it becomes the next like a 24 or something, but for like yeah. lower budget, like action movies or something. Absolutely. And like there's, that's the silver lining of doing business with Marvel. Mm-hmm is you get all this clout, you get all these investors, you know, coming to you. And next thing you know, you've got enough to bankroll or, you know, at least put, start putting forward money. Yeah. You've made off of these billion dollar projects into And you reunite with other films. huge stars as well. And exactly. Chris Hemsworth, Chadwick Boseman, right. Michelle Yeoh, who also has an MCU connection briefly through Guardians 2. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this, uh, this all looks good, but that's the end of the flyby here. Uh, next week, Josh has forced me to watch The Nun. Yes, I have. I mean, I haven't forced you. I mean, there wasn't anything like prodding or neck ringing. There's just mm. begging just begging. staring intently at him across the table um and i've won i can't i like this one just looks the practicality that james wan has talked about them going for mm-hmm. in this movie um looks great minimum cg but i mean i'm not catholic or anything like that so i don't know if my nightmares will be too bad coming out of this <laughs> thing but it looks really freaking scary, and I hated that YouTube ad, but God bless it. It was it was a genius idea, so I'm excited. Yeah, I am not terribly excited, but I mean, it looks like it has the talent behind it with James Wan. Um, the director is somebody whose name I've heard before <laughs> uh, through other projects, possibly. So it just it, you know, Corin Hardy. That's it. Oh, he's supposed to direct The Crow. I'm pretty sure um, before that project fell apart. So. I don't know what to expect. I'm expecting to be scared. 
and that's really it. And yeah. <laughs> if, I'm assuming that's gonna happen. So in that aspect, I'll probably come out saying it did its job. <laughs> yeah. It'll just be whether or not I enjoyed it, right? Uh, which is definitely the question. You have to go in with the mindset because you don't watch a lot of horror. We talked about this yes. before the pod. You have to go in and say, "Is this movie actually gonna make me afraid?" And the answer will probably be yes because yes. hor- the horror directors are good at that. But it's also be like. How much did it make you afraid? And did you ever go like this? Did you covering your eyes is the ultimate horror movie, um, like blessing that you can give it? I don't cover my eyes often. There was a movie I watched, uh, Gerald's Game on Netflix, Ooh, like yeah. last week, and there was a moment where I didn't cover my eyes, but I looked away briefly because it had a super disgusting uh, sequence with a hand. Uh, and that's all I'll say. <laughs> if you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't. You can check it out and you'll know exactly what I'm talking about uh, when it happens. So that is it for this episode. We'll be back this week as well with another big question. This week, discussing what should be the phase four of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We're each going to lay out three films, or you know, it doesn't have to be three films a year, but we're each going to lay out three years of movies from the MCU from 2020 to 2022, which is basically going to be phase four. Um, they haven't officially said that's the case um but we're gonna lay out our options we have some options we've had from twitter some suggestions we'll discuss those as well uh, but if you enjoyed this episode please subscribe share retweet and more plus our itunes and give us a five star review with comments as josh at the top of the show because it helps other people find us and if you enjoy the show why shouldn't everybody else enjoy the show so uh be sure to tell us your thoughts on everything covered though by trans at friends of film and you can follow me personally on twitter at movie cooper and coops underscore hoops and you can see me yell at urban meyer at just joshua ryan thanks and fortunate to the friends film podcast josh always take your heart medication before engaging in any kind of activity and on that note and helpful advice from josh Daly, be sure to return next week for our future episodes 